The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 239 of The Real Food Reel, we hear all about Kale Brock's latest project, The Longevity Film. We discuss the three blue zones featured in the film, Okinawa, Japan, Loma Linda, California, and Ikaria, Greece, and what it really takes to get well and stay well. Kale also shares how this project has made him rethink his current lifestyle, plus what he has already put into practice since returning home to Australia. Hello, Kale, and welcome back to the show. Yo, what's up, Steph? (laughs) I am very excited to have you on The Real Food Real. I know you've been busy travelling all over the world for your upcoming doco, so tell us all about what you've been up to and where you've been. Hmm. Uh, I'm recently back from a big trip around the world. I started off in Okinawa in Japan earlier in the year and was lucky enough to be introduced to the longevity culture there. And then I came back for a little bit, did some filming, did some interviews, and then went back to the USA and bounced around there for a few weeks and managed to squeeze in some waves, which was nice, and then went to Ikaria which is another longevity culture. The U.S. is not a longevity culture, by the way, but Loma (laughs) Linda within the U.S., within California is, Mm -hmm. which is actually one of the most fascinating longevity cultures, mind you, but I'm sure we'll chat about that later. And then I went from the U.S. to Greece, Ikaria, and got to spend uh, a beautiful week there before coming home. So, yeah, I've been quite busy and spent the last two weeks pretty much just surfing my brains out, getting recalibrated. Um, from a circadian point of view. And yeah, I'm just about to get into post-production now. It's good. Awesome. Did you manage to lose your laptop or did you keep it this time? (laughs) 
Uh, no, I kept it. So not not stolen. I had a, you know a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of footage in some of the hard drives in my laptop bag. So I kept a pretty close eye on it wow. this time. Hundred <laughs> percent, full on. Yeah. Wow. So. Where do we begin? How are you? How's baby life? Yeah, mum life, baby life is really good. Uh, Grace is four months old and wow. this past She week, looks so cute. Oh, thank you. She's a little poppet. But um, what's been really fun this week, which is something I want to share at another stage, is starting her on some solids. So that's been fun. Like I've absolutely loved it. So, mm. yes. And how's that going? Is that all like uh, all stress free? No problems. No problem. She loves her food, like mother, like daughter. Um, and <laughs> watching her eat avocado is like the joy that everyone should have in their days. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> oh, that's so great! Yes, awesome. So, the longevity film. Tell me why. What made you want to start this project? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm 27, so I'm, not, I'm getting I'm getting on. <laughs> so naturally, when you when you turn 27, you go, "Hang on, shit, longevity." <laughs> How do I live longer? Mm. <laughs> no. So the biggest thing was, um, I think you and I take a very logical point of view when it comes to health and well-being. For me, I was always arriving at the perspective of true health and wellness is being exemplified around the world by certain cultures. And I think one of the best things we can do is mimic them and um, to, to get the same results. And I wrote about that in the gut healing protocol and I thought, I think there, there has to be a story told here because over the past four to five years, I think I've seen the health industry go but quite no. extreme. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, and I was speaking with some friends about this this afternoon and sort of sitting there talking about the health industry and talking about my part in it and how it's changing. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to drop anything or whatever, but I feel like, you know, my time is sort of coming to a close in the health health industry just because there's so much noise here. Um, and I thought, I think I need to go back to something more timeless and look at principles of health and well-being that are not trendy and that are not just um, transient in, in how they come into society and culture via Instagram and then they leave society and culture via Instagram. Um, so I think the longevity film is really an extension of my work into perhaps a more um, moderate space of health and well-being and looking at those core principles of um people living a long, a very long, but also a very uh, good in terms of quality life, one that doesn't see them bouncing in and out of hospital for the last five years of their life, 10 years of their life, 15 years of their life, uh, one that's surrounded by friends and family and of all ages and, and one where they get to have a big smile on their face. So that was sort of the premise for the film and we decided to go to three of the blue zones as they're called um we sort of dubbed them longevity cultures uh around the world so that was um okinawa in japan loma linda in california and ikaria in greece um and, and we certainly looked, looked at and found some commonalities in those cultures which we'll be sort of sharing in the film and which we can talk about today 
Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And it's a great answer. And I think for our listeners that know your own health journey, you've come from that place of extremism as have I, and I can see why this really appears to you because it is a lot more, I guess, less extreme and yeah, obviously naturally has that longevity to it. So it's not anything that you're doing for a a period of time, like that diet culture that we're surrounded by. Yeah. And I think there's naturally going to be an an appeal to perhaps traveling around the world and, and exposing yourself to these sorts of things and trying to bring it back. And maybe even in feeling a little bit dismayed at, um, the possibilities of actually implementing that culture in a widespread scale here um, because, you know, things are so different here in Australia and we are known as, you know, that sort of lackadaisical, she'll be right kind of culture, but I feel like in truth we're not. Um, we are a culture of rushed, urgent, panicked human beings and I think inherently uh, we do not exist in a way that's going to be conducive to good longevity and good well-being so if i can actually try and correct that in a way uh that's conducive to my own good health and and longevity then that's going to make me happy but as we'll see in the film and as i wrote about in my article um making this film has been exhausting it's been totally exhausting and and it's been you know it's been such a big um momentous sort of project to undertake because it's forced me to assess my own situation what i'm doing and uh whether i should continue doing that and and how the rest of my life should look if i'm to actually appreciate what i've learned on this journey and start to apply it myself Yeah, well, I think that's the unfortunate irony. Like I follow your journeys quite closely online and I just look, I mean, I just feel exhausted watching you travel around the world. (laughs) I read your article and there were obviously some snippets of a few challenges that you had with the travel and um, the car that you had hired, I believe. (laughs) And, um, you know, all of that does get quite taxing in when we look at it in some total. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting irony that to be able to produce this beautiful information and to teach us how to have a, you know, a longevity approach to health and wellness, you end up being exhausted and probably a little bit stressed (laughs) and eating maybe not as well as you would like to have. So, yeah, I can see why you've been surfing for two weeks since you've been back, of course. (laughs) (laughs) well it's an interesting dichotomy but Mm. i think i did come back to at the end of the article with a comment made by yorgo who we would just call george who is the very busy very um sharp witty beekeeper and shop owner in ikaria and he said you can't enjoy rest if you're not tired yes so he was talking about that you know there needs to be this balance and i went to ikaria with these preconceived notions of this island culture sitting back in a hammock and sipping um, homemade red wine all day when, you know, they're busy. They're actually really busy and they're just busy in a way that's totally different to us and myself included. There's no sense of um, urgency. You know, there's this deep, uh, it's almost like meditative sort of approach to how they um, tick off the, numerous tasks that they have each day including walking up into the mountains being stung by bees as as he collects the honey or 
or running a store and instructing the young men where to drop the forklift loads and all these different things. And that's just one example. So I've just had to sort of take all that into account. And um, I think the best opportunity or the best sort of uh, problems are good opportunities. I, I don't know how I'm saying this right. But it was those problems became a good opportunity to um, – narrate and, and include uh, that struggle in the film and really sort of analyse, use my own experience um, as a bit of an example of how and when and how hard it is to actually change and, and adopt a, a good longevity culture. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been fascinating. And this is coming from the guy who gets to surf every single day, uh, you know, and I've built that into my lifestyle. But there's still a lot of elements that I have struggled with and this film this story and meeting all these incredible people has definitely uh initiated some some big changes to occur uh so yeah no it's been a big one I'd say even more impactful for me personally than the gut movie because I feel like with the gut movie um we didn't get a lot of things that surprised me or forced me to change. There were some small things, but with this one, it's certainly been a big, big impact. Yeah, that's cool. I'd actually love to hear, especially knowing you quite well, you're not really the kind of person that's stressed and rushed and on the clock, yet you still feel like this experience has really made you rethink your lifestyle. So tell us, like, what do you think since you've arrived back home what do you personally think you've changed the most or what do you really want to tackle next? I think the next thing I want to tackle is um, taking a little bit of pressure off in terms of trying to get everything done by myself. I mean, I mean, I think you wouldn't be surprised to find this. I have a general sort of um, disdain for human beings and, you know, <laughs> and that's not something that I'm stoked on, on saying but, I have this very negative outlook on on the rest of the world, if you will. Um, And so as a result of that, I've tried to sort of isolate myself and and work by myself and and do all these different things. But in doing that, I put so much unnecessary pressure on myself. I mean, right now I'm I'm deep in the depths of financial um, debt, which is, you know, normal for for self-funding a film, but it probably didn't need to be that way, for instance, and I didn't need to put myself under this pressure. Um, so, you know, in the future, and, and, I, and we'll, we'll have it in the film as well, um, I won't be doing any more self-funding. I won't be driving these projects by myself. I'll be working with seasoned veterans who can bring a lot of skills and, and advice and, and stuff to the table and really just appreciate that collaborative nature of what I do because it should be a collaborative experience making a film. Um, but the last two that I've done have been very individual. Um, so it's those sort of things. And then you look at how I've sort of set up my life, moving from Adelaide, for instance, uh, and living in Sydney away from family, we haven't really made steps to actually replace my family or Emma's family's uh, uh, position within our lives. Um, and we've actually got to put some work in to, to do that and create rituals that sort of simulate that familial experience because after being in the blue zones, we see very clearly that that is a massive health tool. Um, so it's, it's small things like that and it's, it's where we live. You know, we're about to move house now. 
because we're, we're going to move to somewhere where we can walk everywhere instead of having to drive everywhere. We're going to move to somewhere where we're closer to friends and it's more likely we'll bump into people and have conversations every day with more, than, more people than just each other, um, you know, all, all because of this film. Um, all instigated from this film, I'm probably going to shut down um, some parts of my business that um, are just there because my ego feels like they should be there, uh, you know. So it, it is just sort of taking a more wider look at what's going on and making some decisions based on that. And that will be so different for every single person. That's why I love telling these stories because everyone gets to walk away with some different um takeaways and I feel like a lot of those are going to center around how we spend our time a lot of us spend our time being stressed out and upset in the car on the way to and from work and it's sort of this thing that we're told we just have to do you know you need to have a nine-to-five job and there's no other options where I feel like if we're empowered a little bit um, if we're even challenged a little bit to to change those things then we can absolutely um, take a stand and start to implement some some positive changes there. Um, it might be walking to the shops. It might be parking at the back of the car park and and walking into um, the grocery store from a hundred meters further away each time. It's all these little things. It might be scheduling in a weekly catch up with friends over coffee or even dare I say it, red wine. Um, you know, I think the social element of what I've learned has sort of surprised me. I thought I sort of went into this going, there's got to be some some solid sort of things here like nutrition, there's got to be some hydration things, there's got to be some green tea happening all over the place. Maybe I'll come back and be a green tea drinker now. Um, but definitely I think the social aspect of the entire experience has really challenged me and, and forced me to grow, which is great. You know, I, I don't want to be cemented in my opinions and beliefs on my, on my habits. So, yeah, I'm trying to be as flexible as possible and, and real as possible um, and relatable as possible. Yeah. There's some really cool realisations and I love the community element because my situation's not dissimilar. Like my family are in Townsville and Ian's family are in Launceston and so we've had to create our own version of that Um, and we both walk to work every day and have our little community in the village in Sandringham so that's awesome that you can say that's something that you want to add to your life and um, I'm sure other people will have the takeaways around that nine to five element because you know I learned a long long time ago that me trying to have a corporate job was like you know square peg round hole kind of um, (laughs) analogy and yeah. I feel like in this in like 20, 2019 when there is a lot more of the whole, you know, entrepreneurs and um, small business, there are people that are really, I guess, finally realizing that there are other options, but there's obviously fear and finances and family to be concerned or to be, you know, factored into those changes. But yeah, hopefully, as you say, that it can be the inspiration to, some others that they can make that change and, and set their life life up the way they want it to be set up. Yeah, or even just finding a job that does tick off more of those boxes than their current one. For instance, if they're working nine till five, but the people at their work are their community and they get to sit and chat and enjoy um, time with other people at work, uh, then that can be an extremely positive 
aspect of your health and well-being and you know having a clear reason to wake up in the morning every morning that you can articulate also happens to be a really powerful tool for health well-being and longevity so if work does tick off those boxes or it ticks off only a couple maybe you can find a job that actually ticks off more maybe you can find one that allows you to work from home for a couple of days a week where you don't have to spend the time in the car you know there's all these different sort of um areas of of life that have been opened up uh to me now after experiencing this and then i can see um where people can actually modulate and where i can modulate it myself uh it's been a sort of this is the maybe even the first time really that i've spoken with anyone about it at length since coming home because I've had so many conversations where people are like, so, what'd you learn? And that's the question, you know, I've been getting it so much, so, what'd you learn? So, what'd you learn? But I've been so tight-lipped because it's been difficult for me to articulate something as significant as, hey, we probably have to change our entire lifestyle to really get the results that these guys are getting. It's not impossible because we do have Loma Linda, um, a, a suburb within California, within deeply embedded within the Western world, the neighbouring suburb has the highest murder rate capital, is the, is the highest murder rate in um, America, and yet it's one of the blue zones uh, next door. People are expected to live 10 years longer than their, their American counterparts. So we can achieve it. We just have to implement some powerful lifestyle tools which we're currently not implementing i'm at the gym right now in the car park in my car and i go into that gym and i see some big failures going down in terms of longevity i see people smashing themselves to bits in this endless pursuit of what we think is a normal healthy ideal body when it's completely not um i see people not talking to each other i see people with headphones on and you know those are the areas we need to improve it's 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 embedding what we're talking about into our daily practices we have a lot of these practices we have a lot of these time uh, zones in place within our within our society we just need some small tinkerings i think to really make them work in our favor and it really is an attitude shift and it's an expectation shift as well i think um too many of us have gone down the route of uh saying that aging and wellness is is genetic and when we know it's not the danish twin study um conducted years ago over 10 years ago um which began sorry in the late 1800s that's when the first twins were were born in that study and they showed that genetics only account for about 25 percent of of well-being and longevity the rest of it seems to be environment and we know about epigenetics now we know about the power of psychology and and what our mental health is doing so we can absolutely impact these things we 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 are in control for sure yeah beautiful and small changes as always i want to hear more about loma linda because i think i can see why you found it so fascinating you know it's california right so it's as you mentioned in your article, there's been films around, you know, fat, sick and nearly dead, which obviously have a very different angle than the longevity film. What was it that took you to Loma Linda in the first place? And talk to me about the food and the movement kind of principles there that you think are important. Yeah, so I rocked up to Loma Linda and went to the university and the first thing that I was struck by as I sat down with a medical doctor there to have a conversation with her was the ethnic diversity. I actually 
don't know why, but I expected there to be quite uniform um, ethnicities. Ethnicity. <laughs> wow. Well, still clearly jet lagged. Ethnicities walking around um, these blue zones, but in Low Melinda, there's this diver. It's like looking at the cast of the new Spider-Man. You know, there's, there's diversity checked right there. Um, you know, so I saw that and I was like, well, if this is what this is going to throw out the whole genetics argument because everyone who's at this university and then the following day, everyone who was at the church service that I got to attend, they weren't from the same place. So there's this melting pot of um, genetics happening and yet these guys can be expected to live 10 years longer than the than the average American. And like I said, there's no natural geographical border separating Loma Linda from the rest of the world. They're embedded within Western culture. They're next door to one of the highest um, murder rate suburbs in America, you know, and you, you come off the San Bernardino freeway and you go into Loma Linda and there's a, you know, a little noodle bar and, and a sausage sizzle place or whatever it is. And it's like, well, this is kind of, this is, this is no different from anywhere else. But then you go in there and, and you see the way these people live, particularly around, um, I want to say purpose, but also, like you said, their nutrition and also their movement practices. Every Friday afternoon to Saturday afternoon, the Seventh-day Adventists, which make up the majority of Loma Linda, it's a Seventh-day Adventist community, um, they take a Sabbath. So they take that very seriously. They have no work and it's all time for family for 24 hours from Friday afternoon uh, to Saturday afternoon. And it's encouraged for them to actually go on a nature walk with family. And that's a really powerful tool for them to to de-stress, to to downshift uh, from a week of work. A lot of people are employed by the university. There are a lot of medical students and they're all taught. This is really exciting for me. Within the medical um, curriculum there, they're all taught uh, whole foods cooking. So within that work, they're all um, studying really hard, but they're all being taught in the kitchen to actually um, make whole foods that they can then obviously pass on to their, to their clients on, or their patients when, when they do graduate. So the Seventh-day Adventists actually follow mostly a vegetarian diet and seems like the vegan movement has sort of um, recently caught hold there as well. Um, but a lot of the people in Lyme Linda are also pescatarian. Um, so we, I got to obviously see that. They've got a brilliant whole, sort of uh, alternative to whole foods, if you will, a big organic market there which feeds a lot of the community. But I think what and, – and their movement practices are highly encouraged besides the walking in nature part. Uh, you go to the local gym there, which the elderly people are allowed to access for free on a certain uh, certain times and things like that. And I walk into this gym and I've never seen such a sea of grey amongst weight machines before. You know, it was like grey hair here, grey hair here. Oh, he's 80, he's 90, he's 85, she's 96. You know, oh, and that's the yoga room for, the, for all the old ladies as well. And they're all staying active, they're all staying strong. We know that movement, natural movement, particularly every single day, uh, particularly when it's built into your lifestyle, tends to be a really um, have a positive correlation with good longevity because it obviously prevents falls. And then there's this host of other benefits from having a good, strong muscle mass and pumping the lymphatic system every day and all these other things. Um, but what I saw mostly in Loma Linda 
was the power of a faith and be, being someone who who's never really um, been to church or anything like that. I went to church for the first time in Loma Linda and I saw the power that was actually there and amongst that. And this, this, this draw card of, of community, of a shared fate, if you will, of this, this idea of, hey, we're all in the same room, we all believe the same things, and we're all in this together trying to make something good of this. That was incredibly powerful to see. Everyone's up singing and dancing and it was a very modern take on, on religion in my, in my point of view. So that was really cool to see. And then, you know, afterwards it's a very normal experience. I mean, the young people in um, Loma Linda invited me afterwards to go for a skateboard, uh, you know, and I went with a bunch of Seventh-day Adventist uh, youth to the local skate park for a skateboard and we started talking about surfing you know it's this totally relatable very normal suburb um just with just who happened to adhere by seventh day adventist principles and if you look at the longevity cultures around the world they all have some sort of faith uh, by which they sort of live their life and it doesn't seem to matter which faith importantly um because you know we have differences within them across Costa Rica, uh, Japan, Sardinia, um, Ikaria, and obviously Loma Linda. So it was a pretty fascinating experience. And I think the fact that they geographically are so embedded within Western culture yet still get these incredible results from a longevity and well-being standpoint is absolutely amazing. But when you meet the people, it, it's not that shocking because they are so happy, they are so giving, and they are so connected to each other. Um, yeah. I love that. And this is something I think about a lot, actually, because I don't have a specific religion I prescribe to other than yoga, which I always say is my religion. But um, (laughs) it's something I think about quite a bit. Like, I've never said this out loud before, certainly not on a podcast, but I often wonder if it's what's missing from my life. Mm. And I Mm. wonder what your thoughts are and what you think you might do in that arena now you're back in Sydney. I do. I mean, it's not like I'm going to start shopping around for for different faiths. I mean, do I? Is that what I do? I mean, do I read? Do I read books on on each one and decide which one resonates with me most? I don't know. But I think what's key about it is, I think is is having some form of of shared fate with a big community that you feel a part of, that you have regular engagement with, and you can, I think, achieve that through, for instance going to yoga Mm. through for instance for me going surfing and knowing everyone out in the water and having it be one big social experience i think that is a potential replacement i don't know if there is some ethereal force that goes on when you enter a church of some sort or you engage in a in a um religious practice that causes you to live longer maybe there is something there but i tend to think that the potential replacement for that within australia a very i want to i guess quite unreligious country um is that that community element that where do you go each week each day that you feel totally at home with everybody there you feel this sense of shared fate you feel that you can smile and talk to people and and just be a part of the whole experience and totally let your guard down and be in group flow where can you actually achieve that? And that may be your 
potential replacement for religion. I mean, that's how I'm going to approach it because, again, I don't think I'm going to go shopping around for a religion to adopt anytime soon. Um, and I don't so obviously don't have anything against any particular religion either. But, um, yeah, I think it is that social element, that, that idea of shared fate that uh, really drives potentially the benefits of that because a lot of uh, the science tends to agree, the social science tends to agree that um, or tends to be in consensus that it is the community engagement that tends to offer so many benefits to us as human beings that we are largely missing now. We may feel um, this intangible connection with one another when we see a little like pop up on Instagram or Facebook or we see someone follow us, but in reality, it's this eye-to-eye contact. It's this in-person communication which really is going to um, be as powerful as taking the best, most powerful health supplement in the world. Yeah, beautiful. That's cool. I love that. I have one more question. Um, I know that you made a comment about Loma Linda being into fermented foods. I believe it was kombucha. I wanted to know what you'd learnt from all the blue zones around whether you think their consumption of fermented foods and beverages is um, something that's common between the blue zones and if you think it's part of that health equation. Well, I definitely saw it. Loma Linda don't naturally have, I don't, I don't think, a fermented um, beverage. It's more like they've just sort of adopted these new age trends. You know, they're like us. They're, they're drinking a kombucha or a kefir after going to yoga or something. <laughs> um, so I don't think that's sort of naturally in the culture. But if you look at um, Okinawa, for instance, they do have a lot of fermented foods. Like I fell in love with the umeboshi, which is this um, uh, fermented apricot. And then they've got obviously... Um, the fermented soy products, they've got seaweed, which tends to be allowed to pickle. They've got all these different pickles as well, so an abundance of fermented food there. In uh, Ikaria, they do some fermented sea vegetables. There's some really nice sea fire that was beautiful. They obviously do red wine that's definitely 100% organic and um, preservative-free because it tastes almost, you know, it's got that vinegar element to it. Um, but I don't see them as being central parts of of their practices. They're more; they may just be, you know, those daily condiments which happen to to give them good gut health. But they're doing a lot of other things for, for good gut health too. They're not taking antibiotics. In fact, the people who I spoke with, um, who were long livers, who were into their nineties and sometimes into their hundreds, most of them, ninety five, ninety eight percent of them were not taking any medication at that time and none of them were on any long-term meds is what I'm saying. Some of them had taken it short-term but none of them were on medication. They were all independent, living independently and, and with good quality of life. That's really powerful. Um, they're not, you know, getting medicated throughout their life either very much, you know, that some of them were um, receiving medications when they were younger. Um, but, yeah, certainly not throughout their life. They're not eating processed food because you, you often can't access it, um, particularly in a place like Ikaria. I mean, it's still very pristine and authentic as a, as a longevity Mediterranean culture. It's very difficult to get outside foods there. Um, so that was quite powerful. I think those sort of things come into it. But from a nutrition point of view, one thing that I do want to point out is that there seem to be across the zones that I visited an emphasis on organic products. 
And, you know, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, they're not exposing themselves to pesticides and, and different chemicals and things like that um, on a daily basis. They're growing their own food. And when I asked them, I said, do you spray? Do you spray to get rid of the bugs? And, and it, there was this, you know, they balk at that idea. It's like, no, why would we do that? We don't want to poison our children, you know. So there's this strong philosophy of naturalistic farming and agriculture in particularly Okinawa and um, Ikaria. And then, of course, in Loma Linda, they have adopted very much an organic whole foods approach to, to their life. So I think that that must be a part of the conversation that previously hasn't been had. Um, the increase in nutrition, the lack of toxicity that comes with eating, an organic, uh, eating organically may be a part of the picture. And we'll certainly talk about it within the film. Awesome. Cannot wait to see it. What dates? Where can we find out more? And when is it going live? Uh, Well, we've got a trailer coming probably by the time this goes out. So I'm hoping that everybody can go and check out the trailer on my Facebook page or YouTube page. But the the most central sort of... um, list of of screenings and things like that is just on my website so it's kalebrock.com.au forward slash longevity film but you'll also see it if you just go to the home page there um, so we're going to add we keep we're hurriedly uh booking in different theaters and locations around australia so that we can tick off all the boxes and try and go as far as possible. But I have said to Tim, who's, who's organizing the tour, I said, look, I'm not going to burn myself out. I said, make sure there's nice gaps in between screening so I can chill out and go surfing in places and different things like that. Um, just in the, in this small attempt to, uh, better appreciate the the longevity principles that I'm going to be sharing on this tour. (laughs) Absolutely. It'd be really ironic if you end up with burnout touring for the longevity. Wouldn't Wouldn't that just like totally fried? (laughs) Yeah. Awesome, mate. I cannot wait to see it. You enjoy your yoga class and I look forward to catching up again soon. Me too. It'd be good to catch up. I'll be down in Melbs. Yeah. End of the year. Oh, great. You get to meet the little Grace who won't be so little by then. I know. So cute. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.